Michael Anthony here with a special guest for today's Bible teaching podcast, my friend, Pastor Bob Tome. I love his heart, his ability to teach God's Word, and the fact that he truly practices what he preaches. Whether you're listening on iTunes, CourageMatters.com, or the Courage Matters app, you're in for a real treat. Hold on to your seat and open your heart as Pastor Bob teaches you from God's Word. One of the things that is plaguing our state and our nation and the world is idol worship. One of the most dangerous things, probably one of the most immediate needs that we hear about today in our community is that of addiction. And addiction has a place where it becomes an idol in someone's life and begins to destroy them and lead them away from the love of God. This morning, I want to share with you some things from Romans chapter one and chapter two as we tackle this topic of idols and addiction and God himself. On the platform, there are two tables. And these two tables are here for a purpose. This table has an open Bible, which represents who God is. The word of God given to us that we might know how to change and how to be set free from bondage and addiction and shame and guilt. On this table over here are idols. Things that people run to when they think there's no other place to run. And this morning, I want us to walk through Romans chapter one and Romans chapter two and see that God offers hope. God, for anyone in this room this morning or watching by live stream, has the opportunity to be set free, to begin a journey today that can change your life, that can cause you to lay aside the idols and turn toward the true and living God. And so here we have the addictions. Your county is one of the highest. To date, we have surpassed from last year the deaths of opioid use in this county. It is a real thing. The people I meet with who spend $300 a day on a habit, the people that I meet with in rehab, sharing the word of God with them, that there is hope and they have the opportunity to begin to change their life. They are struggling and they are so alone many times coming into a facility like that. The people that we meet down at Catalasso or here at church uh, in our counseling ministry are people who are struggling and facing addictions. It has plagued this community. People are turning to idols and they are forgetting or not knowing of the one true and living God. And so today, for those of you here at Grace and those of you in our live stream audience, I want to share at the beginning of this message and the end of this message, hope. Because in the middle of this message, we're going to see the destructiveness of idol worship. We're going to see what happens to a person who allows themselves to go down a road where they are destroyed because they've given themselves to an idol. Idol worship isn't new. It's not a 21st century problem. It has been around since the word of God. In fact, when you go back into the Old Testament, God tells the children of Israel, I am a jealous God. 
There are no other gods before me. And every time the children of Israel or every time someone through history, or every time today on this Sunday morning, whether it's in your county or in the live stream audience, every time someone says, God, you don't have the answer. I'm going to find it in some type of addiction. I'm going to find it in something that will make me feel good. Up on this table represent a lot of things. These gambling chips represent the plague that faces many people when families and finances are destroyed because the income at the end of the week is taken and it's taken to the casino. And all the funds that would pay the bill, clothe children, all the funds that would put food on the table are vanished away with an epidemic of gambling. It is addictive behavior and it is destructive. Some people find it's easier to spend money, and so they have a wallet of credit cards. And when they're feeling down and feel like nobody loves them and feel like everything is just falling apart, the one thing that makes them feel good is a wallet filled with credit cards and a department store where they buy and they buy and they buy and they buy to feel good. And they buy for some peace. But in a short time, they're buying again because that urge of loneliness, that place of emptiness overtakes them. As already mentioned, there are some people today who are going to use the heroin and they're going to take their needle and they're going to inject it into their arm. And the danger today in many lives is that there are people who get their heroin laced with fentanyl they want to feel good. They got to get through the day. I remember two years ago, I was talking to a young man right here in Grace Fellowship out there in the atrium. And I looked at him and I said, you're high this morning. And he said, I needed my heroin to get to church. Idols. Idols are in the church as well as the community. Idols are all around us and even God's people can pick up an idol and say to the living and true God, I cannot depend on you for my happiness. I need something else. Some people are interested in body image. And so whether they get the latest GQ magazine or they pick up something else, they begin to look and they begin to try and figure out what is going to make them look better, what is going to make them feel good. And so body image becomes important. And there's a total worship of the human body instead of the worship of the one true God. And then there's overeating, there's electronics, there are a whole lot of things. There's alcohol, a whole lot of things that people turn to today and they're looking for happiness. Maybe you walked in this morning and one of these addictions has overtaken you. I want you to know as best I can say it this morning from this platform, you really are loved. When we put that up on the screen, it's not some marketing tool to make us feel good. You are loved. And maybe you came in today invited by a friend or you just wandered in. Or maybe you've been coming for a long time and you say, Pastor, I can hide in this crowd. No one knows about one of these addictions I may have. I'm one of those closet people. 
No one would ever know unless I would tell them. But I'm hurting today, pastor, because truly I have taken the idols and have rejected God. But because you are loved today, I want to plead with you to listen to God one more time. I want to plead with you today to pay attention to what God says, because just like we say we love you, the reason we love you is because he first loved us. And because we experience the love of God and the forgiveness of God, it's something that we want to share with you. So this morning, the first thing I want us to do is turn to Romans chapter one and look at verses 16 and 17 with me. As you turn in your Bible or look at the verses on the screen, the first thing that I see is a power of God that's revealed. The apostle Paul says in verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. It is a power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous will live by faith. And here we see Paul telling the Romans, a metropolitan place of idol worship, that he longs to come to them and he longs to share with them the precious message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. When I think about you this morning who may not know Jesus, maybe you find that your sphere of influence is over here, and it's been a long time, or maybe it's never been a time that God has been in your sphere of influence. But as we begin today, as I mentioned, I have hope first of all, and then we'll look at some tough stuff and then we'll look at hope again. And the hope that I want to share with you is a very simple message. It is the gospel. I want to look at some verses in the Bible with you and move very quickly through them. But there are a lot of people around here. There are people at our welcome group. There are people in our connections group. There are people who are all around you that if you listen today to God's voice, forget Pastor Bob's voice. Listen to God's voice as I read these verses. And as God starts to stir your soul, find someone that you can talk to about the gospel. What I am sharing with you in a few minutes, I know there are people in this building because you are loved. There are people in this building who would take the time beyond my five or 10 minutes and share with you the word of God. Romans chapter three, verse 23. You may think, Pastor Bob, shame and guilt have overtaken my life. Strongholds are pulling me down and I don't see a way out. Am I the only one who struggles? No, you're not. According to Romans 3.23, it says here, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All people, all people have a tendency to go toward idols and move away from the glory of God. But even though today you may be over here and God is way over there, I want you to know that he is ready to have a dialogue with you and he is ready for you to respond to him. Romans 6.23, it says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ, our Lord. 
And here is God's love to us. Not that we loved him first, but that he first loved us. And if you don't know Jesus this morning in the live stream audience or here at Grace, I want you to know that God has a free gift for you and it's in the person of his son who came to earth, who lived on earth, who suffered persecution, who went to the cross, who willingly died there when he said it is finished as his blood was shed and he rose again the third day. That is the gospel that Jesus lived, that he died, he was buried and he rose again. And he lives today and that's why you can live. That's why I can live. Because the free gift of God is given to us. Jump back to the Old Testament to Isaiah chapter 53. Who has believed what he has heard from us? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up, this is talking about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Uh, he grew up before him like a young plant, like a root out of dry ground. He had no form or majesty that we should look at him and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief and as one from whom men hid their faces. He was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he has bore our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, following those addictions, following idol worship. We have turned everyone to his own way and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. God's free gift. Let's jump back to Romans chapter 10. And pick up here in these few verses, story continuing about the gospel. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. And it says here, because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Confession is agreeing with God. You might say, do I confess to a man? Do I confess to a church? Do I confess to an organization or some religious institution? No, there's only one place you confess and that confession is agreeing with God. And God says, you and I, those of us who have accepted Jesus are already there, but you may be here this morning without Jesus and you need to respond to him. God says, I have a free gift for you, and all you need to do is agree with me. Now, how do you agree with me? When you hear what I say about you, you confess with your mouth, and you believe in your heart that God has raised up Jesus. For with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth, confesses and is saved. And so salvation today does not depend on any kind of association with any group except agreeing with God. And I would say to you, if you came in here heavy burdened this morning, thinking there were a lot of hoops that you had to jump through and hurdles that you had to jump over, I want you to know that the gospel of Jesus Christ, that precious gift, is an easy one to receive. 
There's nothing hard about it. There's nothing demanding about it because remember, it's not me doing any of the work. God did all the work. God took care of that on the cross. And the burden you're in here with and whatever you're carrying today is no heavy burden that what Jesus did on the cross cannot set you free from. And then in Romans 10, 13, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we look here at these addictions. We look here at Romans chapter one and we look at what we see in the Bible regarding the gospel. It results in salvation. It gives us hope. It allows us to be set free because there are several things that plague people today. Shame, guilt, bondage. Those three things as I talk to people are the biggest hindrances in them making a decision. I am so ashamed. I cannot look up. I cannot believe what I have done. I am in bondage to something that has trapped me. These things have trapped me and they've taken from me my family. They've taken from me my finances. They've taken from me my friends and my job. They have become powerful in my life. I need something to take away that power, that bondage. And it is in the resurrected Jesus Christ. Paul says, I desire to come to Rome, a metropolis, a thriving city that was filled with sin that was filled with idolatry, that was filled with anything but the power of the word of God in people's lives. And Paul said, my greatest joy is to come to Rome and to declare the gospel. This gospel is very powerful. We find that the gospel destroys the strongholds. It brings people out of bondage. It gives people eternal life. It brings folks into a relationship with Jesus Christ to the point that it is no longer these things. It's no longer a night quill drinking it in the middle of the night because I can't get this. And I got to soothe the craving it is now Jesus Christ who takes all that away, removes all that and begins putting a person on a new road to take a new journey. You were loved at Grace Fellowship because if you're sitting here this morning and these things have you in bondage, we love you and God loves you and we'll walk with you. We're not gonna preach a gospel message this morning and just let you go. We're gonna care for you. And we have ways that we care for you. When you hear about the connections ministry, when you hear about life groups, I know as we say them over and over, after a while, we kind of lose the impact because we hear it. But I want to encourage you, community is important. Finding a community to be in like a life group, finding people around here through the connections ministry and, and making contact in other places will help you walk in Jesus Christ out of this bondage. So I know it's hard. I know it's hard. I hear the stories, for example, from the heroin addicts. I hear how they just fall over and are drawn to themselves in such pain, having no desire to eat and just laying there all alone and shaking and just being left alone until, until they can get the next hit. 
But you know what? Some people are tired of the next hit and that's where the gospel comes in the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let me tell you the message I share with you this morning, the gospel is an easy message to understand. It is the message of the love of God. It is a sweet message to the soul. But I want to encourage you that once that decision is made to come back to God and forsake the idol, I want you to know that we'll help you on this journey will help you become a disciple that is not bound to addiction and idol worship, but is bound to the living and true God. So we look at the book of Romans again, back to chapter one. And the next thing we see is the outcome of idol worship in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men or mankind who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. This here is the idea of how God hates sin. Don't misunderstand that. The word wrath there is not the idea that God is waiting to hit you over the head with a lightning bolt. Some people who really struggle with God and are afraid to come close to him think that somehow he's out to get them and destroy them. This word wrath here is an attitude of a righteous God looking at the results of sin in the lives of humanity and it angers him. Turn to Mark chapter three in your Bible. Mark chapter three and verses one to six. We see this played out in Jesus's life. Again, he entered a synagogue and a man was there with a withered hand. And they, the religious rulers, watched Jesus to see whether he would heal him on the Sabbath so that they might accuse him. And he said to the man with the withered hand, come here. And he said to him, Is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to harm, to save life or to kill? But they, the religious leaders, were silent. And he looked around at them with anger. Same word. It is God disgusted with sin. It is God disgusted with sin. They looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart and said to them, said to the man, stretch out your hand. And he stretched it out and his hand was restored. Here we see that God is angry at sin. Do you get angry at sin? We understand that a little bit. God is angry at sin for the wrath of God comes on all unrighteousness. It comes down on those who suppress the truth. Now, it takes a lot of work to suppress the truth. There are people today in evolutionary circles who do all they can to suppress the truth. There are people today who argue about the Bible and want to condemn the Bible, and they do everything to suppress the truth. When I look at this portion of Scripture, I think about having one of these little balls and, uh, that you bounce, and you got a tub of water, and you're trying to keep that ball underwater. If you let go, it's going to come back up to the surface. You have to work hard to keep it down. That's the idea of suppressing. There are people who work hard to stay away from God. They suppress the truth so they can live in this realm. 
And so they work very, very, very hard to ignore God. You run into people like that sometimes. They want to argue with you. Well, did God really create the earth in six days? Oh yeah, is Jesus really the son of God? They want to argue about everything else because their goal is to suppress the truth. And the truth is that God can set them free and God loves them. And the difficulty is they don't want to be set free. So when we move down through Romans chapter one here, we come to verse 19 and all the way down through verse 32, you can look at all of those verses in detail. I just wanna describe to you this morning what happens when you look at verse 18 and go down all the way through verse 32. We find here that there are steps down. First of all, there's a failure to acknowledge a loving creator. There are people today who think God is this mean, nasty person who's letting them remain in their sin and doesn't care about them. James chapter one, verse 17 says, every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the father of lights in whom is no variableness nor shadow of changing. God is not a God who knows evil, practices evil, endorses evil, or loves evil. God is a God who cares for us and desires us to be close to him. But the first step that a person has to take is to realize that they think God is against them. And that leads to an unthankful heart. When you look at the word of God there in Romans, it says here that they become unthankful. They do not honor him anymore and they become unthankful. They do not give thanks. So another downward spiral step is where they won't acknowledge God. They won't be thankful to God and their foolish heart, Romans says, becomes darkened. They have now stepped away from the light. They have now stepped away from what is able to deliver them and they have moved to the things of their own imagination and creation. And so now they have become foolish, thinking that they know best. And from that, they exchange God for their addiction. And you can read down through Romans chapter one and you see all the things the apostle Paul lists. People begin to move away and they begin to create for themselves their own God. And the person today who is trapped in addiction has not only been unthankful to God, doesn't recognize God, is not only foolish, but now they are exchanging the glory of God for something that looks better. And they take another step down. Another step down is detachment. Because in the process, they now have to leave family. They now have to leave friends. They now have to leave places that are going to help them because they can't be convinced to turn away from this to follow the one true God. But let me add this for a moment. If you're a family member today to someone who's addicted you may be their biggest problem. You say, what do you mean, Pastor Bob? That sounds kind of offensive to say that. You know what often happens? I can get a, place, a person to the place of going to rehab 
And you know what happens as soon as they say, can I call my wife? Can I call my mom? Can I call my dad? We'll take care of it as a family. And guess what happens? They're right back where they were. So many times when you're dealing with someone that you might have an influence to get them into rehab, get them there without the family. Because sometimes people become an obstacle to dealing with idolatry. And so we want to make sure we get the help. They get the help they need, but they detach from everything. A person who loves their idol, whether it's in the secret room in their house, whether it's inside the crack house that's been abandoned downtown, wherever it may be. And by the way, let me add this. And I hope you understand how I say this because I've seen this with my own eyes. The white rich girls in daddy's Cadillac on Jefferson Avenue buying drugs. We think it's a city problem. I can guarantee you it's bigger than a city problem because I see the white boys and girls downtown. When we have our opioid meetings every month, and the coroner gives her report. Do you know what group of people has the highest rate of opioid use every month? White males. White males have the highest rate in your county of opioid abuse. We need to be careful how we judge people. Because when we start looking at their poverty and their color or maybe what kind of job they work and we start judging them on that, like I've said, I've seen the fancy cars downtown. I've seen them buying them out of the drug houses. I've seen them pull into York and pull out of York to go back home. So please don't become prejudiced in your thinking that it's only an urban problem. It's a church problem. I already told you about the one who walked into grace on heroin just to get here a couple years ago. What the church has failed to do is recognize we have a problem. We worship idols and not the one true God. I go with the coroner to churches all over your county. She talks about addiction, opioid death from one perspective. I talk about it from the church side. So together we team up to try and help Christians understand what this epidemic is and how it's not only affecting the general population, but the church. So I know it's real and I know it's in churches in your county. And I'm sure with the live stream folks today, it's probably in your churches too and in your community as well. We find here people detach. I want nothing to do with God. I want my habit. And then it leads to aloneness. That leads to aloneness. Friends are gone. The good friends are gone. Maybe family says, I've had enough. You're out the door. Maybe they've lost their job because they've come in late so much. They haven't been able to keep it. And now they live this life of aloneness and they live a life of depravity. Where God goes on here in Romans, look at verse 24. He says, God gave them up. Look at verse 26, God gave them up. Look at verse 28, God gave them up. God will never fight you for your will. God will stand open with his love. God will be there when you call. 
But when you run here and you want to run here and you say no to God, I don't want him, I want the idols, God will let you go. And he gives you up and he gives you up and he gives you up and you're turned over to them. And we find then suffering comes. We look at Galatians chapter six. It tells us there in those verses that whatever we reap, we sow. And now there's destruction. Everything we thought was going to save us, everything we thought was going to be best for us when we felt so bad and needed comfort has now actually destroyed us. And not only that, when we are left to ourselves in addiction, we're like an old abandoned building, all empty inside. That's why I began with that gospel of hope. Because if you're at that stage this morning where it's all empty inside, I know who can fill it. I know who can fill it. I know not only the addicts who aren't giving up, but I know them who have trusted Jesus. And I know people who are making a change and they are moving forward and they are seeking to do the right thing because there's one power over all this stuff and Jesus Christ is his name. And they've began to trust him and follow him and now they are moving forward. Now they are moving forward. And when they have their help and their friends and they know they're loved, they can move faster in a very good way. But when they don't and they're left to themselves, then that's when destruction comes. Physically, destruction comes. Opioid death, as I said, right now to date is higher than it was last year to date in our county. Coming in from China and Mexico, all type of drugs are making their way to the United States and to your county. The fentanyl use is so great that emergency medical services and other people like me in the counseling office have Narcan to protect ourselves. Because on the pinhead of a pen, if you and I and a few of us were gathered in a room, there's enough fentanyl that can make us sick or kill us. It brings down elephants. That's the drug and that's what they're lacing heroin with in York. And I just heard the other day, I don't remember the name, but there's a new lacing coming out of Puerto Rico that's even worse than fentanyl. Folks, we are living in the midst of idol worship in your county. We are living in the place in our sphere of influences where people are dying without God. And when you think about the church today, our mission is greater than ever. Where you work, where you play, where you have contact with people, there should be a message you're carrying. That message that Paul wanted to take to Rome when he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And today in the 21st century, what Grace Fellowship can be about is reaching the lost and discipling them. Reaching the lost and discipling. There's opportunity there is need, there are empty hearts, and all we need to do is be determined, God, in my sphere of influence, use me.
use me. I found this little quote in a book I was reading. Don't remember it all yet. I'm still working on memorizing it. But I put it in my calendar because as schools are gonna start and we're involved in our four city schools this year and we're involved with sixth through eighth graders and, and it's really exciting what God is doing. The last part of that statement that I'm working to memorize says this, make every date in my calendar a divine appointment. Make every date in my calendar a divine appointment. If you and I live like that, our life in serving God will change. This church will grow, not because we want big numbers, but people will find a place that they know people care and they're loved there and they'll wanna be a part of that. We have a great mission ahead of us, a great opportunity to do what God wants us to do. And then you come to chapter two. Chapter two, and it says here, Verses one to four, therefore you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Now remember this, go back to chapter one in Romans. Look with me at verse 16. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God of salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. I think it was last week that Pastor Mike mentioned there's the Jewish heritage and then all the rest of us are Gentiles or often as the New Testament might say, Greeks. Okay, so there are two groups of people in the world. Notice here what he's saying. He says at the end of verse 16 to the Jew first. Why would he say that? Because the book of Romans is about God's grace. And what group of people in this first century was more opposed to God's grace than the religious people of the day? So what is Paul saying as he opens up chapter two? He has just got done saying, I wanna preach the gospel. He just got done saying, look at all the places people can go in their sin as they worship idols. And then he says, before you get too heady, like you're very religious, you do the same things. Because you know what? Today in the Christian church, we have the tendency to be Pharisees. <laughs> you know what? I'd never shoot one of these in my arm. I'd never take the cap off and take the lid off. I'd never load it up, you know, with heroin to stick in my arm. No, you may not, but what inappropriate things are you watching in your bedroom? Be careful who you judge. That's what the word of God says. I may not have this in the medicine cabinet drinking three or four of these, but you know what? I'm thinking about, I need to have an image. I need to be the one that exalts myself. Be careful, you who judge, because you do the same things. I may not drink that, but hey, I'll eat 30 of these tonight. 
I'll binge tonight. I'll let my anorexia take over. But you'd never catch me with this. Be careful, you who do the same things. Why would you presume on the word of God? At the end of Romans chapter two, verse four, it says there, knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. We're back to hope again. We started out with hope with the gospel. We saw all the ugliness that idol worship does in verses 18 to 32. And as we come into chapter two, and we especially look at verse four, we're back to hope. People come in my office and sometimes they sit there and not everybody, but a lot of people I'll say to them after a while, I just want you to be assured. I just want you to know that I am not sitting here looking at you as a vile person. Because one thing I believe about our counseling ministry is this. However you got here, whether someone encouraged you to come, whether you went online and found it yourself, however you got here, it's a divine appointment. God loves you and he found you one more place, one more time where you can get help. If you're sitting in this room this morning, it's a divine appointment right now. It's not about us who are pastors. It's not about leadership here. It's not about what positions we have. It's about the fact that God, for whatever reason, got you here this morning because he loves you. And he's giving you one more time to respond to him. One more time to say, God, I gotta be done with this over here. God, I don't want idols. I want you. I want you. So my prayer, as it was at the beginning, for those of you who may not know Jesus, my prayer is that today would be that day. Whether you do that there in the quietness of your seat and ask Jesus to come into your life and to save you and to forgive you of sin and say, dear Lord Jesus, I don't want this idol stuff anymore. I want you. That's the start. And we have people who can help you if you just ask. But Christian, where are you at? Because if I was the gambling guy, I would bet you have some idols too. And you need to lay them down as much as the person who's buying things or shooting up. You need to lay them down too. So your divine appointment with God today as his child is that he's gonna say, I'm not here to smack you. I'm here as your daddy to say, come on back here. Let's get things straightened out. And you can do that too. Whether it's counseling, whether it's a life group, whether it's the connections ministry, whether it's the friend that brought you today, whether it's someone you know in this room, you are loved. We love you. Interested in requesting Michael Anthony for an interview, guest appearance, or as a keynote speaker for your event? Click the invite tab on the Courage Matters app or on couragematters.com. You can get more resources just like this podcast through the app and website as well.